All right, let's turn first of all tonight to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter number 8, Romans chapter number 8, and then we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, Romans chapter number 8, and uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter number 4. And uh, certainly uh, look forward to what God has for us this evening. I'll bring a, um, a study tonight, and uh, I'm going to... Uh, give a study on an aspect of, I'll give the title in a minute, but an aspect of grief. And uh, certainly because of obvious circumstances, good to teach on, but um, uh, grief is something that I don't think as Bible believers and Bible preachers that we have taught enough on. Um, I think we're afraid of the word sometimes, and hurting, it means you're not a good Christian if you actually have sorrow and hurt in some cases in our mind, that's not true. Uh, but over the last several weeks, I've uh, met with several um, different church members on, on an aspect of this. I actually had a couple of phone calls from different pastors over the last couple of weeks on this. And so I thought that I'd be a good time to teach from a practical aspect. And I think it'll be very, very helpful. And so as we get into the text, uh, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll see where we're going with it. But first of all, Romans chapter number 8, and look at verse number 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Uh, what a great, great verse. Um, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time. Uh, we are never promised as God's people that we're not going to have sufferings. We're not going to have sorrows that we're not going to have hurt. Now turn with me over to, and you may want to hold your spot there. We'll refer back to it in just a few moments. Second Corinthians chapter number 4, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And look at verse 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, uh, verse 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. These are a couple of verses, what I call perspective verses. It helps keep things in perspective. Temporal, eternal. Paul writes and says, for this light affliction. Oh, pastor, that's not me. If you knew what I was going through, well, let's compare it to what the apostle Paul uh, went through. And compared to that which is eternal, he said, this is light. This is a light affliction because of eternity. Now, tonight I'm going to give you the title, and the title is Grief When It Is Finished. Grief When It Is Finished. And I want to use this subject this evening to uh, remind us of a couple of things. And I'll get a little ahead of myself that God is always doing a work in us. And God, God has allows things so that he can do a work in us. And if we'll allow the work to be done in us, uh, we'll certainly be grateful uh, that we do so. So tonight, let's uh, look at several things this evening. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the instruction that it gives us. I'm thankful that there's been so many times, while there's been so many times in my life, I did not know what to do, how to respond to things. I could go to your word. And there it is. Uh, you've already put things in place. You've already uh, given us the proper perspective of how to approach things, how to deal with things. And Father, I pray 
that you'll use this tonight in the heart of the Christian who uh, is struggling with some things. And or this could be also something that we file away and in the future uh, when life brings about uh, sorrows. May we uh, fall back on these things this evening. May this give us proper perspective of uh, the things that we go through in life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the title this evening is Grief When It Is Finished, and I don't want to uh, paint the picture that uh, things that we go through, that there's going to be times when we don't uh, grieve over them. There are some things that we're going to grieve over, uh, and the only thing that's going to fix it is heaven. Uh, God can give us grace, and things can improve, and things can be better. So, But I want you to uh, follow along with me by way of introduction, and then I don't want this to scare you either. I'm going to give you ten things tonight. Uh, for you to uh, think on and remember. And I'll take enough time this evening to lay the foundation, and then I'll go through the 10 things as quick as I need to uh, to give them to you, but I, I, I'm certain that this is going to be a help. Romans chapter number 8 and verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What we are learning there, what we're told there, is the sufferings are going to be used to reveal something in us. Uh, and that's why young people especially listen to me and young adults. And uh, when you live enough life, sorrow is going to come. Trials are going to come. Tribulation is going to come. That's why uh, as the younger you are, you begin laying the foundation of character and principles. And, and this is what I'm going to do. And, and they haven't been tested yet. But I promise you, each and every one of them will be tested. And so you lay that foundation so that when they do come, uh, you respond in the right way. It is going, sufferings are going to reveal uh, what is in us, and it is going to do a work in us. There are things that God can accomplish by His blessings. There are things that God can only accomplish through sufferings, through trials, through tribulations. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. You say, Pastor, I've been dealing with this for 10 years. It's not a moment. Oh, when you put it in perspective of eternity, it's but a moment. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's this too will pass. It's not that long when you put it. In that context, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If you mark in your Bible, and I encourage you to do so, you ought to underline or circle, worketh for us. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, which we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. But things which are not seen are eternal. Perspective, there's temporal, there's eternal. Temporal, temporary, uh, this life is temporary. Uh, what we experience in this life is going to come through, it's going to pass. Uh, it's, it's temporary. Uh, we want these things to work, we, and, and we look at um, um, what grief would do in our life and what things do in our life. We look at this light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us. Uh, I'm reminded of what trials and grieving and difficulties will do in our life. And in verse 17, we're reminded, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is what I mean by when it is finished. There's a work 
that it does in our life. Romans 8.28, you know that verse? For we know all things work together for good. Now, we often, I think, misquote that verse, put it in, in, in an improper context. That means everything's going to work out okay. Uh, well, it does as far as heaven's perspective. But it doesn't always work out as far as our perspective. But it worketh for good. But let me remind all of us of this. It needs time to work. Some of the things we look at are the very bad things in our life, the very difficult things in our life. If we give God time to do the work, we'll see the good that it does. We'll see how God takes it and uses it. And so we need to be patient and we need to be submissive to what God allows to come into our life so that God can do this work. Uh, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I want you to ask yourself, no matter what you're going through uh, today or what you've been through in the past, what is the work that God is trying to do in your life? What is it that, and as a church, sometimes we have to stop and we have to look at what, what is God doing as a work in our church? As a nation, as a people, we can stop and say, what is God trying to do uh, as a nation, as a people, as a work in, in, in all of us? And God can use and God does use uh, some of these things that we deal with and we would grieve from and we would have sorrow from. And, he, and when it, it's finished, that we can see that God has used it. And we can say it's a light affliction. He's used it for a greater work. Uh, and this really comes down to us submitting ourselves to God. You and I don't know everything God's doing. We look at some of the things that go on in our world, some of the things that go on in our country, some of the things that even go on in our life, and we say, I just don't, I don't think I agree with God on that. Well, it's okay. We don't, if you don't agree with God, I'm sure you're wrong in other areas, and there's things I don't agree with God on either, but I don't know what God knows. And God knows what he's doing, and God wants to do a work. This is, this is the point I'm going to make. I'm going to give you the ten things because I'll run out of time very, very quickly. We must submit to him. That's what it all comes down to. We must submit to him. It is easy to say, as a young person, I did it as a young person, but it is easy to say as a, as a teenager, as a young adult, to come down to an altar at a camp meeting, come down to an altar in a church service and say, God, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. That's easy. But when the circumstances come into your life, are you really surrendered to him? Are you really willing to let him have complete control of your life? Now, with this in mind, we know all things work together for good, but we just have to be patient and let God do his work. Okay, this is how we act sometimes. God, do your work. Just have it done by tomorrow. I believe, I have faith in you, but I want it done by tomorrow. We all feel that way sometimes. We all have those expectations. But God will do a work, but what God does, God, does, God doesn't do things in a hurry. He, he does a work in his time, and sometimes because of our impatience, Impatience, we don't allow God time to do a work in our life, for time, God to do a work in our home, and we must be willing to submit to him and let God do his work. Now, let me give you the 10 things that uh, grief can do or dealing with sorrow in life can do for us. Grief, number one, grief can lead you to a stronger faith and trust in God. Let me remind you, and grief is a word that's not always used in, 
as a, uh, in, a, in a church service, but grief is an emotion that God, that God created us with. It is a response to a loss. It's a response to say, well, pastor, I haven't had anybody pass away. Well, sometimes we lose, we lose a, as an American, I've grieved a lot in the last couple of years. A lot. So I'm just all worked. I'm just, I just, I'm wore out. It's because you're grieving. We can grieve over a lot of things. We can grieve over the actions of somebody else. Sometimes we think as grief is just, and certainly we grieve when we lose somebody we love. But there's a lot of things that take place in our life that we grieve over. And God can use those things. Disappointment is grief so many times. We get disappointed we grieve over things. So let me give you number one. Grief can lead you to a stronger faith and trust in God. Does faith please God, yes or no? Let's try that again. Does faith please God, yes or no? Absolutely it does. We know this. And if faith pleases God and we know it does, then we should be happy when our faith grows stronger. Now, I don't have to be happy about the circumstances that come in my life, but when those circumstances come that I cannot control, it would be wise for us to look at it and say, I've got to depend on God more. I've got to have more faith. So therefore, my faith is going to grow, which means my ability to please God grows. Without faith, it is is what? Impossible to please Him. So I don't like when when circumstances, but the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that life is going to bring some things. The actions of others are going to bring some disappointments. The the natural course of life are going to bring some things that we have to deal with. And through time, we continue to deal with them. But we must have faith in God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So... I may hurt when things, uh, circumstances come. I may uh, sorrow uh, when things come into my life. I may grieve because of, of loss in my life. But I now have to have greater faith in God. So a mental perspective is, okay, I cannot change these circumstances, but I have to depend on God more, which means I have an opportunity to please Him more. Is pleasing God good? Absolutely it's good. We ought to live our life wanting to please God. And a lot of times we say, well, I want to obey what God has said. That pleases Him. Absolutely. I want to do things that honor Him. That pleases God. Absolutely. But then there's also things that we have no understanding of. And God says, just trust me. By faith. And it's in those difficult times we have an opportunity to have greater faith. Grief can lead you to a stronger faith and trust in God. Number two, we're on a good pace to be out by 8.30. Number two, grief can bring a greater enjoyment of the sufficiency of God. Let me say that again. Grief can bring a greater enjoyment of the sufficiency of God. One of the greatest verses in the Bible is, My grace is sufficient for thee. Sufficient means it's enough. It means it's never going to run out, but it also means it's exactly what you need. So I I wish I had all of God's grace. You and I couldn't handle all God's grace. So he gives us exactly enough grace to get us through that moment. And grief can bring a greater enjoyment of the sufficiency of God. I never thought that God was not sufficient in my life. Never. I've always, I'm thankful I was taught that from a child, that God is, is, is enough. God is great enough to do anything. But I tell you, when God allows things to come in your life, when you have to 
depend on his sufficiency, you get a greater enjoyment out of it. Well, I can think back as a child and growing up and a young adult and saying, I believe God's grace is sufficient. Having never had to depend on his sufficiency. If I can stand here today and tell you there's many times I've had to depend on, depend on his sufficiency. And while I don't like the circumstances that cause me to depend on his sufficiency, I can stand here today and say, there's something about when you know you lean on God and it's just enough. And you look back at your day and you say, I don't know how I got through this day except that God gave me just enough. I don't know how I got through this period of my life, but God gave me just en- enough. You know what we ought to do as Christians? We ought we to we remind ourselves that it's okay to enjoy God. We gotta, God is not a cruel taskmaster. It's okay to enjoy God. I don't enjoy everything in my life, but I enjoy God. Grief can bring a greater enjoyment of the sufficiency of, of God. When I did not have enough strength to go forward, His grace was sufficient. No matter what we endure, we are more confident than before that God's grace will see us through. Well, there's many times I've had to depend on the, on the grace of God. And I can stand here tonight, I'm very confident. I'm not, I'm not in myself. A lot of times when God seasons a Christian and he seasons a church and he seasons a preacher, they say, well, they've they, 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 got a lot of pride. No, I don't have any confidence in myself. But I can stand here today and I can say, God's grace will be sufficient. I'm supremely confident in the sufficiency of God. Grief can bring a greater enjoyment of the sufficiency of God. Number three, grief brings about personal growth. Grief brings about personal growth. The Bible tells us that we are His workmanship. Y'all, everybody heard the song, the kid's song, He's Still Working on Me, Make Me What I Ought to Be. I'm not, that's all I'm going to give you tonight. Um, oh, we look at the kids and say, He's still working on me. But you know what would be just as appropriate and true? If we called it the senior citizens tonight and had them sing the same song. He's still working on me. Until he calls you home, he's working on you. And can I remind all of us, he knows what we need in our life more than we know what we need in our life. Well, I can look back on my life and I could argue with God and say, I didn't need this, I didn't need this, I didn't need this, but he created me. He knows what I need. He, know, he knows what needs to take place. He knows what he, knows what he wants to make me. And therefore, he knows what ingredients to put in. He knows what circumstances. He knows the heat and the pressure that needs to be applied he, This because we are his workmanship. So it brings about personal growth. By the way, getting bitter at life circumstances doesn't help you. Doesn't help anybody. We don't have to like everything that life brings our way, but why don't we grow through it? It brings about personal growth. We're his workmanship. Sometimes his work is done best when we are grieving, we're hurting. Perhaps it's because we are leaning on him more and resisting less. Let's just be honest. We pray more when we're in trouble. We pray more passionately. We don't know how we're going to get through the day. We depend on him more. God likes for us to depend on him. God likes for us to live by faith. It, It pleases God. It's, it's a, a, lot of, a lot of the success in Christian life is about our perspective. Well, why is God doing this to me? No, God's given me an opportunity to trust Him more. 
God's given me an opportunity. Why is God doing this in our, in our nation? He's given us an opportunity to repent. He's given us an opportunity to depend on Him and trust Him. Everything that takes place in our life, it's, it's because He wants us to grow. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in life, you need to be growing as a child of God. God wants to put things in your life to help you grow. A lot of times when we're going, we've dealt with sorrow and hurt, it has an effect on us unlike anything else. Maybe you can look back in your life for 10, 20, even further back, and you can see things that were painful and things that you grieved over. And let me tell you that God's still going to do a work in your life. If you've gone through something recently that you don't understand, God wants to do a work in your life. Number four, grief can bring us closer to the Lord. Is it, is it a good thing to be close to God? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you want to be closer to God? I think we all would say we do. Man, I'd love to be clo- I want to be closer to God. And by the way, you're as close to God as you want to be. You're absolutely as close to God as you want to be. Well, I don't feel close to Him. That's not God's fault. That's our fault. But grief brings about personal growth, but grief can bring us closer to God. Uh, David is a good example of his relationship with God grew stronger because of the grief he endured. Perhaps this is why it's called the fellowship of his suffering. When we suffer, we are better able to relate to him, and we know that he can completely and thoroughly relate to us. There have been some things in my life that have taken place that I don't believe any other man could understand. But I know God did. There are times, and if you've never been there, you'll be there one day in your life when there's no man that can console you, no man that can comfort you, no man that can uh, help you, but there's a God who can. And I can tell you, those are, those are, those are, I don't look back on some things that I've grieved over and rejoice in them, but all those moments where it's me and God, those are sacred moments. It's holy ground because it's an opportunity to be close to God. And it's true that grief can bring us closer to the Lord. Number five, grief is humbling. Let me tell you what we all have a problem with. Are you ready for this? Pride. Pride. We all have a problem with pride. There's a reason why the Bible talks so much about pride. Oh, pastor, I'm the most humble person I know. I know. We all have a problem with pride. But there's nothing that humbles us and makes us realize how much we need God when He takes control out of our hands. So many times as as a Christian, the average Christian, I have no problem Trusting God, as long as I can have my hands on the wheel with Him. I have no problem surrendering to Him, as long as He gives me a say. I have no problem, and we don't have a problem with it. You used to see that old bumper sticker everywhere, God is my co-pilot, which really isn't scriptural, by the way. I got no problem with that. You know why? Because I got my hands on it as, as well. 
But when God allows something to come into our life that breaks our heart, something that comes into our life that knocks us down, it humbles us. When we thought we had it all under control, we realized that we didn't. We thought that we had everything in order, we realized that we don't. And it is humbling because we do not, we're not in control of our lives. Uh, every blessing we have, we got to stop and thank God for it. And by the way, don't get so comfortable in your self-sufficiency because life can change just like that. Circumstances can change in an instant. And it is humbling when there are things in your life that you know that you can do nothing about. And by the way, Especially in an avid, and let me put it in perspective of a parent, when things happen in the life of your children or circumstances of your children, will they be still in your house or adult children? That's an area where you've got to trust God. And it's humbling to think that there's nothing you can do. I think back in our own life with our daughter Amanda and her sickness and her death, and uh, what a helpless thing to say, there's nothing that I can do. It's humbling. So, what did you do? I had no choice but just to depend on God. Just to depend on him. It's a very humbling thing. We get, all of us have a tendency to become more self-sufficient than we really should. Have you, have you depended on God today? Be careful going through a day without acknowledging him, depending on him. All right, everybody, we're going we're gonna to have a class participation. Not because I want to, but to wake some of you up. All right, I want you to follow my lead. Everybody ready? You ready? Everybody breathe in. Breathe out. This is aerobics now. We're going to do that in a minute. Did you just take a breath? Do you know who gave you that breath? God did. God gave it to you. We take so many things for granted in our life. I believe this. I've, I've, I've said it for years, and I believe it. I believe that no matter who you are, what circumstances you find yourself in, there's going to come a time when God is going to remind you that you've got to depend on Him. And when financial troubles come, it's a reminder. But you may not have any financial troubles, but there may be some health. There may be some other circumstances going to remind you we have to depend on Him. Boy, in America, we've gotten self-sufficient, haven't we? Even as Christians and as churches. Oh, God reminds us things can change in an instant, can't they? And uh, it humbles us. Uh, being humble is not a bad thing. I heard a statement when I was in Bible college, and I've tried to, I've tried to I'm, I know I haven't lived it as I should have lived it, but the statement was this. Uh, it's better for us to humble ourselves than have God humble us. And I made a note of that. I need to constantly humble myself. If not, God's going to humble me. And that's true in all of our life. And there's different ways that he does that. I'm not necessarily tonight talking about a haughty spirit. I'm not talking about that this evening. But we get to go through life and we forget to stop and acknowledge that everything we have is because God's given it to us. And when we go through difficult times, when we grieve because of circumstances, it reminds us that we're not in control. God is in control, number six. Grief can bring relief in healing from the pain. Now, let me explain this. Grief can bring relief 
in healing from the pain. Now, I'm not saying that there are some things, I can use circumstances in my own life that I'll ever stop hurting, but God gives me the relief that I need. He heals a broken heart, yet the scar is still there. Sometimes God does not completely heal the pain, just as He does not always heal our bodies when we are sick. But we must come to a place where we experience the relief of His mercy and grace. I just don't think I can take any more. And then, then we get through it. What is that? That's God's mercy and that's God's grace. It's the relief that we need. There are, there are things that no, humanity cannot help us with. In our own wisdom, we cannot help ourselves with. But God gives us the mercy and grace we need to give us the relief that we need. Number seven, grief can give us a greater compassion for others. Well, I look back on my life and I thought I had compassion. I didn't have compassion. I didn't know how to have compassion. But if you live life long enough because of what you experience, you'll learn how to have compassion on others. Well, it's, as, as, as a church, we, we know that as a church family in the body of Christ, we're to pray for one another, we're to help one another. I'm reminded of the scripture, weep with those that weep. Uh, boy, how can you weep with somebody who's wept? Unless you know what it's like to weep. No, we have an opportunity when things come our way. And by the way, don't be selfish for what you deal with in your life. I mean, you have things in your past that you wish you hadn't have gone through, and I wish you hadn't have gone through it, but you can have compassion to other people. You can, you can be a help to other people. But don't be selfish with the experiences that God has given you because that is what, what, how God has made you. God's done a work in your life and give you a greater compassion for others. When we, when we experience things, we, it gives us compassion to the hurting. But we live in such a cold world, don't we? Such a callous world. Such an uncaring world. But it should not be that way amongst God's people. How do we know how to have compassion for others? Oh, when things come in our life and we need others to have compassion for us. Oh, and, and, and be very careful about being cold and heartless because you're going to need some compassion. You're going to need some, somebody to pray for you. Uh, it brings us to a place where we can have greater compassion for others. Number eight. Aren't y'all proud of me for moving this quickly? We might get bogged down. Grief can allow us to be a testimony to others. It can allow us to be a testimony to others. I think one, generally speaking, one thing we underemphasize as Christians, and one thing we don't put, we don't, obviously we don't put enough emphasis on it, we don't consider enough, is our testimony. This is going to be a bold, strong statement, but I believe it's true. It's, it's, it's one of the things we don't like to hear as Christians. I believe there will be people who die and go to hell because of the poor testimony of Christians. When God says we're to be a light in this world, He's determined that we're to be a light in this world. And He says others can see Christ in us. 
I don't understand. I understand some of how that works. I'm sure I don't understand how all it works, but I know God said we're to be a light in this world so this world sees a difference in us. Boy, we don't consider enough of our testimony. That's why it's important for us to keep our emotions in check and be principled because you can lose your testimony just like that. And grief and dealing with sorrow and dealing with... See, because this world thinks and this world deals with, with everything that goes on in this world. And sometimes this world, and wrongfully so, thinks that, oh, this, the Christian just has it made. Or they love God because all of these things that took place in their life. But when the same things take place in our life, the, the Bible tells us it rains on the just and the unjust. Uh, problems come to saved and lost but how we respond, it's one thing to say, well, I trust in God, and isn't God good, and, and oh, I want to tell everybody how good God is, and then have something come in our life that we can't control. And now the world, those around us get to see, do we really trust God? Do we really believe the joy of the Lord is our strength? Uh, in, in every area of life, but certainly in this one, Christian, how's your testimony? We're to be a good testimony to this world, but we're to be a good testimony to one another. So it pains me to think that I can be a stumbling block to somebody else. Now, truly, we are all responsible for our own actions. But there is accountability to being a stumbling block to another Christian. Oh, we got to remember, others are watching us. You say, well, nobody cares what I'm going through. Oh, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised who notices You'd be surprised who's watching. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that being a motivation. Oh, if you'll permit me, there's been many a times that I've, I've said, I've just got to be there because people are going to be watching to see if I'm there. And that's not like now every Sunday, but it's... <laughs> i got to go again. Uh, no, that's not what I mean, but you know what I mean. And the same is true. People watch. Uh, I want to be a good testimony. Say, well, that, I think that's hypocritical. You call it what you want to call it. I want to be a testimony of God's grace and God's strength and God's sufficiency. But we, it allows us to be a testimony to other people. And by the way, you don't have to. You shouldn't grin and bear it so people think you're strong. It's okay for people to see you cry. We don't like to do that. Why? Pride. I'm an ugly crier, Pastor I. It's, but it's okay. Well, they'll think I'm weak. We are weak. We, we don't have the strength. But it's God that gives it to us. It's God that allows it. And you don't know what God, how God will use what's going on in your life. Somebody will watch you and say, well, I know there's times where people are like, I just don't feel like, but I know so-and-so is going to be there. I had I had I had lunch with somebody this week who was giving testimony of another of another church member and how they were a blessing to them because in their health situation they were always there. And I happen to know that that individual has grieved over their loss of health. Well, it's a responsibility to us to be a good testimony, a good testimony to others, not of our strength, not of our ability but of God's sufficiency, of God's grace, of God's goodness. Oh, when, 
when the story of my life is written, I want it to be said, God is a good God. God is a great God. God is a sustaining God. Uh, the, only, the only explanation uh, for the life of Greg Neal is God and God's goodness and God's grace and, and God's character. Uh, that's not a bad testimony for all of us. And when things take place in our life, it's an opportunity for us to be a testimony to other people. Your testimony preaches a lot louder than any message can preach. And be careful. Don't be one of these Christian lecturers that want to lecture everybody on this is what you should do and this is what you shouldn't do. And then the moment something comes into your life, you become a poor testimony because you don't depend on God. What number are we on? Number nine. Grief opens doors to minister to others. You have to be careful that just because you go through something doesn't mean that God wants you to sell everything and do whatever to participate in that ministry. But it does, you ought to be sensitive to opportunities you have. That's what I mean by that. Our law allows us to minister to people we otherwise could not help. God cares so much about everybody. He cares so much about the individual. that He would allow one of his children to carry a burden, to go through a trial, to do a work in their life. But he would also allow that to be the very thing that would minister to somebody else. I've preached this many times through the years, and it's a good reminder for all of us, you're not the first person to go through what you're going through. And you definitely won't be the last. Now, your burdens today and in the future are unique to you. And I'm not minimizing that at all. But there's no new thing under the sun. I mean, we, we go through trials. We go through things in life. And there is, there's somebody else that you can minister to. If you'll permit me again, that uh, at losing a child, not everybody has had, to, has had to go through that. But I tell you, as soon as I meet somebody who's experienced that, there is a connection that cannot be explained. And that's an opportunity to minister. And I think we as Christians, we all look at this. If God allows things to come into our life, there's a reason for it. How can I use it to help somebody else? Many times, and if this applies to you, apply it. If you put down your bitterness because of the things that you were disappointed in, the things you went through, and depend on God, you might can find somebody that you could help. There's some things that, that, that God's allowed to come into my life that I would change, humanly speaking. But I can't change it. I've learned to trust God, but it's allowed me to give avenues of ministry I never would have had. Never would have had. But we have to look for that. Say, well, Pastor, that's great for you, but what about me? What is it that God allows to come into your life? You can help somebody. You can help somebody. We say, I've, I, I know what it's like to, we've had many in our church and we got to continue to pray for them and they lose a spouse. Well, I, that's, you're going to cross paths with somebody that you can help. Only you can help. That doesn't take away a lot of the pain, doesn't take away a lot of the hurt, but it, it does allow God to use you in that circumstance. It opens the door for us to minister to other people. Uh, are you, uh, let's, let's, let's get the idea. And, and we're just selfish in general, aren't we? Pastor, you're supposed to be encouraging us. Well, I'm trying to help us. 
we have a tendency to be selfish. And we shouldn't. We tell our kids, don't be selfish. This, is, this has nothing to do with the message, but I'm sure we can relate. We tell those kids, you get, you know, you share, share those cookies. And we got a stash of Oreos under our pillow. Oh, yeah, you related to that one, didn't you? I told y'all to share. Babe, get out. That's my ice cream. Get your own. I'm going to, you know, no, I got to get back on the, I was going to talk about how when you go through the drive room to get a blizzard and your wife says she doesn't want any, and then when you get it, I just wanted a bite. Well, let me get you your own. No, I just want a bite. No, let me get you your own so you can have your own. I ordered this size because I wanted every bite of this size, or I would anyway. <sighs> I feel better now. I'm glad I've been able to minister to so many of you that could relate to that. I have no idea where I was now. Number 10 grief gives a greater appreciation and anticipation for heaven. You can't fully understand, we can't fully understand, period, how wonderful heaven is. But it can give us an appreciation. It can give us a, see why, I mean, I would think we all have, have loved ones in heaven. If you say, I, I, don't, I don't, maybe, maybe you, you could say, I don't think there's anybody here who would say that, but even if we weren't talking about loved ones in heaven, there's the grief of losing health and opportunity and things of that nature that only heaven is going to repair. There's broken relationships between Christians that nothing on this earth is going to repair it but, 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 a, but a reconciliation with God. But you know what? Heaven will fix it. All relationships will be made right in heaven between brothers and sisters in Christ. But it gives us a greater appreciation and longing for heaven. You know, I, I think, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter number five, 4, if you're still there. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God wants to do a work in our life so that it brings honor and glory to Him. It's a work. God's not cruel. There's a work He wants to do. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, but things which are seen are temporal. Tears are temporal. The day's coming when there'll be God Himself going to wipe away all tears. Cemeteries are temporal. Think poor health. It's temporal. Well, hey, my, a doctor said I'm going to do this, live this the rest of my life. Oh, but it's but for a moment when it's compared to eternity. You know, we look, I look at some great men in History, who did a great work for God and were responsible for far-reaching revivals and tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of souls coming to Christ. No, oh, there'll be rewards in heaven for a man who will give his life and faithfully give it to the gospel. 
But there's rewards in heaven for a child of God who when affliction comes into their life. They let God do the work for a greater glory. There's a reward for that. And I want to remind you and close with this. Verse 18 reminds us there are temporal things and there are eternal things. Live for the eternal. It's okay for a child of God. I, I don't know. I, I mean, Lord's going to do what he's going to do anyway, but there's things in this life that I still want to fulfill, but I am looking forward to heaven. But I don't want to continue to live this life so that I can make a lot of money. I want to make a mark for God for eternity. That's the way we should be living our life. This is, this is, this is temporal. Oh, sorrow is temporal, but we can look forward to hev- heaven. The things in your life that you struggle with, when I mean by that, I think just for the sake of the Bible study tonight, we can summarize in that word grief. You're disappointed, you grieve over it. You've lost something, you grieve over it. Sometimes we look at what God has allowed somebody else to have and we didn't maybe have that upbringing or have those same opportunities. We grieve over health. We grieve over the loss of loved ones. We grieve over all those things. That is not your enemy. God will use it to fulfill a purpose in your life, to do a work in your life. So what should we do? Submit to Him. There are some things I cannot control. And you know what's frustrating? You know what's frustrating? Some of you, most of us, if not all of us, relate to this, just like we relate to the Oreos. You can relate to this. We want to control everything. It's our nature. I want to control this. I want to control this. I want to control how this person reacts. I want to control this. I want to control things in there. And every once in a while, God reminds us that there's only one person in control, and that's him. And he's not telling us everything that he's going to do and why he's going to do it. But we submit to him and allow the work to take place in our life. For we know all things work together for good. I, I, there's some things in my life, things in your life, things that we, I don't think they, I can't, I can't say they're good. But God says they'll work together for good. I believe most of the time they work, they work together for good depending on our surrender to Him. I believe there's a lot of good that God can do in a quote-unquote bad situation if we will allow God to do His work. I know there's been times I've been very impatient with God, wrongfully so. God, I believe you're in control, but can you speed it up? Can you show this is? I want to know and know God. God has a perfect plan. He's going to work it, and He's going to work it. He's going to work it. We've got to allow Him to do that work in our own life. Uh, if you've been disappointed, if you've been uh, faced things that you you wish you hadn't faced, we've all we've all done that. Uh, but remember, it's it's a light affliction. It's but for a moment. We are His workmanship. Let's allow things of life that we have to deal with, let's allow them to do a work in us uh, so that we can give God the honor and the glory. And let's find somebody that we can be a help to. Find somebody that we can minister to because of what uh, God's allowed us to go through. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight.